can't believe that you haven't seen it love it so much you really gotta stream it let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole Let's go, girls. Da, 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 da. Don't. I don't even know if these are included in the episode. I don't want to give. <laughs> they, they make it. They make oh. it. The best thing about being a woman is the prerogative have to watch movies with friends. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. They're totally crazy. I'm having a baby. I'm doing a dance. Is that a bear? Oh, oh, oh. I wanna be free and feel the way I am. Damn, I feel like a woman. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my lovely co-host, Jane Joan Hammer. And um, we're, we're, we're coming at you today. We, we got we got some stuff that we want to talk about. Um, before we get into it, we know a lot of you are chomping at the bits to find out more ways that you can contact us. Jane's OnlyFans link apparently wasn't enough. So you can find us um, at on Instagram and uh, on Facebook at Movies We Missed. And you can also catch us tweet, tweet, tweeting away over on the Webby Award winning uh, Twitter mm. uh, mm-hmm. account. Um, that is followed and favorited by all of your faves. So we're mm-hmm. like your favorite comics, favorite comic, very that. Um, mm-hmm. Find us over at on Twitter at MWM Chat. Uh, we got a lot going on over there. It's a robust conversation, as we like to say. And um, mm-hmm. we want you to join the, I think we're at 145 million um, followers yeah, creep- at this point. We're cre- yeah, we're creeping on some of the bigger Twitter celebrities. Like, Absolutely. It's yeah. crazy the way that this has happened. Look out, Selena Gomez. <laughs> Very <laughs> that right now. Um, so, Jane, uh, speaking of the only murder in the building, um, how are you doing? How are you doing? The only bestie in the building. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you, Brandon. It's so mm-hmm. great to see you. I will say, you mentioned my OnlyFans, and I do want to bring that Ethical. Up it's ethical. Again. Blah, blah, blah. Everybody's paid and fed. Yeah, of course. And I do... The, well, the chief complaint fed, from my followers have been, has been that I just haven't shown enough of myself. And so um, I think that is... <laughs> Up to them in terms of what they pay. You know what I mean? Oh, you mean are there different tiers? Like certain people. Oh, can there's get tiers, to... baby. Tiers. Oh. Well, there's tiers, T I E R S, and tiers, T E A R S, and that's sort of what my OnlyFans is. It's sort of an, a a different um dis disrobing uh, of myself, where Ugh. it's just like four and a half minute videos of me crying, and I feel that that is something that I'm revealing myself in a way that is vulnerable. And I think people should have to pay to see that. 
I get the ways in which that would be vulnerable for the average person who sort of like keeps things in and doesn't make the world their sounding board. It's interesting that you um, that you see it as, as a form of vulnerability. I've heard whispers that there's occasionally a little bit of like Sylvia Plath being being read. Maybe. I do. I love to call my girl Sylvia. Um, I read some Mary Oliver poems. Nice, I do nice, a little nice. Emily Dickinson. So we run the gamut of, um, you know, <clears throat> female poets, I guess you could say, and writers. I, I have a question for you. How do we get you out of that bell jar? <laughs> Honey, if I knew, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I'm calling on you, the man in my Ooh. life. Say to it. to answer that question for me as Ooh. opposed to making me the woman wow. a Damn. word mm-hmm. <laughs> a word queen um, <laughs> what a pivot what a pivot the way you flip that mirror around on me I got mm. some work to do <laughs> you know that's what this highlights for me so I'll be the first to say it <laughs> <laughs> let me go find my my leather bound um, um journal and uh, yeah scribble get that some, moleskin some open along with that down. mind. Okay. When you br- okay, I'll get the moleskin open. Okay, that sounded sexual in a way. I feel like that's kind of what your followers are looking for on OnlyFans. <laughs> Getting the moleskin when they come to OnlyFans, there is I will say there is a great amount of surprise for what I'm sharing, and it's not necessarily the um, soup du jour of the uh, <laughs> the regular soup du jour of the OnlyFans. Um, menu. <laughs> and that's your OnlyFans handle, isn't it? Soup du jour? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like the way you mm-hmm. wove that in. That was deep. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, besides that, though, how's how's your week going besides the, the lukewarm response over on the old OF uh, platform? What else is happening with you? Um, are these new glasses? They are new glasses. I was waiting yeah. for you to notice them. Do no, they like remind them? me a little bit of the tortoise sort of moment on mine, which makes sense because I've been a tastemaker in this group for Okay, a you long didn't discover tortoise shell. Also, mine, okay, so for the, you guys can't see, but I have these sort of, they're these sort of like cat eye, um, they're uh, a light pink tortoise shell. And, nice. Um, yeah. I'm getting used to them. I felt a bit like Miss Frizzle at the beginning of the week, but I get now that. I'm, yeah. I'm, well, it's Tuesday, so I got them on Monday, but I'm so starting to them now. Yeah. <laughs> also known as. Um, so it's taking me one day. I'm used to them now, but I've got. I like them. One day at a time. I um. It's giving me very much like mid-century, like secretary who's boofing the boss. Like, <gasps> yes, that is actually that is absolutely always what I want people to think of me, and I'm not kidding. I'm not being sarcastic. I want people to think that of me. I always thought that of you. Um, yes. And I've always known that marriage vows were suggestions as far as you were concerned. So, Because mm-hmm. um, you've been my champion. You've been my champion. I'm going to root for you no matter what. When you call me mm-hmm. and tell me about your messy, toxic behavior in the world, do mm-hmm. I cringe? Do I sometimes mm-hmm. have to literally stuff a pillow in my mouth and scream <laughs> into it as you're telling me the way that you're <laughs> navigating the world, the way that you're talking to strangers? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I find it appalling mm-hmm. and abhorrent. But I'll tell mm-hmm. you what, I got my popcorn and I'm sitting front row. And I'm of always going to be... A sounding board for you and i'm always going to encourage you to lean into chaos you know? and i appreciate it and i you know sometimes it's interesting because i know i've found out that you secretly record me and share it with our other friends and then sort oh, of have like a god. Oh god what is it called a post game review who's not and being recorded i who's will not? say brandon <laughs> 
I would love to know when I'm being recorded and and Ugh. ridiculed by our friend group. But I thought this was the best place for confrontation. You know, this welcome is the best to big, place to welcome to Big Brother, huh? Let me okay. let me see if I can dust off my copy of Orwell's 1984 <laughs> to Chris and you and like the school of thought. It, it's pervasive. Um, our lives aren't ours anymore. Welcome well, to my TV show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You've been playing yeah. a supporting role in my life for a long time, and in your own life um, mm. for longer. So I just really want to create a platform for you to be the star. And I think that this series that I, I've been calling uh, Janie's Hijinks is something that mm. is really the next move for the culture. I think recording people without their consent, showing it on a platform that allows strangers to interact with it. and like I would I think love that's to know if you're going. making a cash off of this. I don't want to get into that. It's tacky to talk about money. I've Is always it? felt because that way. I, so I don't of... want to get into specifics. Okay. Well, and we and we can of course talk about it off mic if you want. <laughs> but certainly, I will be coming for you with me and my lawyers. But any, before this turns, before I don't want to hear. If, if I get another ugly, call, if I get okay. another call from Sarkisian and Sarkisian, I swear to. <laughs> God. That is think... a, that wait, hold on before we move on. I want I want our listeners to know that that is a very regionally specific joke only for people who drive through Northwest Indiana. <laughs> and if you don't, it is a law firm that has a lot of billboards on your way. So, all I can tell you is that if I get a call from SNS Mm-hmm. You're know what I'm gonna be dialing. I'm gonna be dialing two 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 twenty two twenty two and getting Glenn motherfucking learner on the case. <laughs> I keep him on retainer. So be careful if you want to play with the if you want to play the big dogs. <laughs> uh, again, the, for those across the country, that is another regionally specific lawyer, but nationally respected us. and revered. But also, I'm, well, I'm sure of it. I'm sure mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I haven't done a temperature check, and I don't know if Glenn Lerner is, um, you Istanbul. know, licensed to practice bar in any other states. He is, yeah. Um, but you know, I wish him the best. He is, and I will say, congratulations to him. Absolutely popping out of those suits he's wearing. Um, he's just he is lifting the weights. He's drinking the protein drinks and getting swole. Well, also <laughs> fighting for your compensation. Absolutely, he's the Batman of um, of the Midwest. I'd say. Anyways, before this turns into an animal farm, <laughs> <laughs> once again, that one book you yeah. read that one time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you made the Orwell reference. I thought I would sort of close it, close the circle. Oh, um, somebody like somebody pretending to be learned. Like, 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 which is well, it's like, oh, hey, I was just reading um, Fahrenheit 451. Uh, sure, you were, girl. How Isn't was, how was age Bradbury? 13? Um, Isn't that oh, Bradbury? I know. Oh, I thought you were saying that was Orwell. Again. No, it was another book that they made us read when we were in school. Maybe okay, that was just yeah, us, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's Bradbury. No, no, no yeah. I think we read that in high school for sure. Yeah, they made us all read it. I think I read the Cliff Notes for that in high school. Um, yeah, I knew it was on fucking Orwell. I <laughs> Not you. That was for Dave. He came in with oh, that, okay. like, hey, dummy. <laughs> I am sick and tired of our producer treating us like we are uneducated sluts. What do you think, Brandon? I agree with you. When I was leaving the house today, he, like, walked up to me. I had a blast on it. He ripped it. 
he was like, oh, you're going to go out and show the world your tits like that, huh? Not not on my watch. Not mm. with that ring on your finger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really dehumanizing. But also he, turned me on. He, he asked me last time I was over at your house to only wear floor-length skirts. Whoa, under yeah, his eye, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and I felt really attacked by that. And it's also, we should address, by the way, for the people who listened to last week's or April Fool's Day episode, um, <laughs> seems like the people behind the scenes got a little big for their britches. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they gave advantage of the fact that Brandon and I have no technical experience, nor do we know how to post an episode or edit or produce one. And they took it upon themselves to record their own episode and put it up on our. Podcast? Yeah, they tricked us. They they really did. They yeah. tricked us. Um, mm-hmm. They provided us with a table of Chinese food, mm-hmm. and um, it and was the box delicious. and the box set us for Spin City, the series mm-hmm. box set. And of course, uh, they knew that was going to be will, enough to distract us. Because you and I will both ride or die for Charlie Sheen at any point with whatever he says. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, mm-hmm. Heather Locklear. Come, Heather Lock here, okay, Queen? Because there's always going to be space for you, okay? I don't because care it what wasn't, sport, because it wasn't just Melrose Place. It wasn't no, just Melrose baby. Place, was it? No, baby. And you better believe Heather Locklear. She was guest starring on Melrose Place for 15 seasons. <laughs> they didn't every every episode. They were like guest starring. I was like, sis, you've been here longer than like whole runs of shows. I didn't know she wasn't a full cast member. She was called, I think it was like, she was a celebrity get. And I think that, I don't know if it dictated some sort of like increase in pay because she was the biggest name on the show when it started. Mm. Um, but yeah, it said like, it's a guest starring for a really long time for her. And it was like, girl, you are a resident. You're a condo owner. You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> but yeah. Well, anyways, I would love for us, because I know we're going to have a lot to say about this movie. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah that we we watched <laughs> yeah that <which> part is, <laughs> i guess yeah. that's not the controversial statement but um brandon chose face off a movie we i had seen but i remembered none of it so this mm. was like i had seen it for the first time um brand do you want to go ahead and give us a little synopsis so i we do can get started? i do okay strap in baby <laughs> i'm strapped <laughs> wink all right let me get to the place I gotta get to. Dark place, dark place, dark place. Go! Let's go! <laughs> FBI agent Sean Archer has it all. A wife with a tepid kind of sex appeal, a spirited teenage daughter, and he has a son named Michael who lights up his world. I guess I should put all of that in past tense. Had a son! had a loving wife, had a pure daughter. Because once career criminal caster Troy wages war on Sean Archer, upheaval is the name of his diabolical game. It all goes awry during a giggle-filled trip with little Mikey to the Griffith Park merry-go-rounds. Those rides can be a lot of fun, but as Sean soon learns, eventually, you gotta get off. Well, relishing in the glow of fatherhood during this festivity-filled day with Michael, Sean is ambushed by our villain, caster Troy. Troy clearly had a bullet with Sean's name on it, but it seems to have fatally struck Sean's baby boy Mikey as well. Travolta gives everything he's capable of giving as an actor as he shakes his blood-bedecked fists at the sky and chides God. Why Mikey? Why not Shawnee? 
As Archer cradles his dead boy, he makes a silent vow that day to avenge his second-born's death. Now the Archer family must pick up the pieces and move on while facing a Mikey-less existence, but they'll never forget. Flash forward six years, and Archer and his team have tracked down Castor and his younger brother and accomplice Pollux to an airstrip in the desert. You may think they're here to find out why Castor and Pollux's parents sacked them with such cruel names, but you'd be wrong. They are here to take down Castor. But, like a southern groom on his wedding night, he ain't going down without a fight. While evading capture, Castor taunts the FBI agents with knowledge of a bomb set to detonate in mere days at a major venue in Los Angeles. And he's not talking about this film, either. Just before they could get more info out of him, Castor is knocked into a coma. The FBI has to figure out where the bomb is, and the only living person with that knowledge is Castor's younger brother, who is still unfortunately named Pollux. But he'd never reveal the info to anyone other than Castor. Well... Maybe he'll tell someone who looks like Castor. That's what the FBI is counting on, at least. In what can only be described as a myriad of conflicts of interest, the FBI asked Sean Archer to go undercover as Castor Troy, the man who killed his son to obtain info from his younger brother. <laughs> Don't worry. They've mastered a new form of facial swappery that will allow the face of Castor Troy to be surgically removed and simply placed on Agent Sean Archer's face. In the interim, Sean's face will be commandeered and placed in a viscous liquid-filled vat for safekeeping, right next to Castor's bed, conveniently. Castor will remain, well, sans visage. Once Archer has been fitted with Castor's face, he is placed in the Alcatraz-style prison housing Pollux and tasked with getting whatever intel he can about the bomb's location. This whole operation is top secret, so only a handful of agents know about it. And Sean can't even tell his put-upon wife and wayward teenage daughter where he'll be. Not that either of them would care. They're both off in their own worlds. Jamie, his daughter, is caught up with a pre-cancellation Danny Masterson. And for reasons unbeknownst to me, his wife still hasn't gotten over the tragic death of her son, even though it was, count him, six years ago. But it doesn't matter. Soon, Sean Archer will be out and reunited with his familiar face and fractured family. Well, that was the plan, at least. But they didn't count on Castor Troy waking up in a top-secret government facility that apparently gives security guards the night off. Once aroused from his coma, he forces the doctor who performed the original transplant to give him Archer's face. His face is off. He wants Archer's on. That's right. The one that's been sitting in that translucent goo near his bed is officially his. Possession is nine-tenths of the law, baby. This is truly a case of finders keepers, losers reapers. Castor also kills everyone in the Bureau who knows about this top-secret face transplant, so he is free to roam the streets as an FBI agent while the real Archer sits in federal prison. Archer has to figure out a way to get out of this prison and stop Castor who is now playing house with his family. Is there enough time to get the correct faces back on? Or will they remain off forever? Ooh, baby, that was a fantastic synopsis. Thank you, thank you, Jane. I, I had to go to that place. I had to, I was tapping into everyone. I was tapping mm. into Cage as Castor, Travolta as Archer, Travolta mm -hmm. as Castor Archer, Cage mm -hmm. as Castor Archer. It was, it was wild. I said Castor Archer twice, but you guys get it. It was 
the journey that I was on. Discombobulation. That was the thing. They were both mm. themselves and each other, and that was <laughs> <laughs> that was the deal. That was the uh, complicated nature of this movie. I mean, this must have been what Lohan and Curtis were up against with Freaky mm. Friday, because it's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a journey, and we've got it, two actors here who are <coughs> equipped <coughs> to take it on. <laughs> you know. Well, before we jump in, I want to say two things about this. Mm. My first thing is that this movie is way too fucking long. <laughs> I felt like it could have ended could like have three gotten... times. Yes, at one point I looked down at at like at the I looked at the runtime where we were at, and I was like, "There's." 50 minutes left, five zero minutes left. And me and Dara were both like, what more could they do? This is just face off after face off. Pun Uh, obviously intended. So I think they really could have covered this thing in about an hour 15 Mm. and we would have been good. Um, Second thing I want to say is that I don't know if you remember that um, the last time we recorded when you um, assigned this movie to us, I said something about those little green, glowy, like, glass balls. And that was the only thing that I could remember from this movie. I do remember that. So, I found out during this movie, while I was watching this movie, that I was getting it mixed up with the movie The Rock, starring Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. I've never seen that movie. About Alcatraz, which I then quickly ran through my Rolodex and was like, has Brandon seen this movie? I don't know. I'm glad you haven't because that's a great movie. I'm added to our list. We'll cover it at some point. But so I remembered zero, zero parts of this movie. And so this was an interesting one because I, I thought I knew some of it. I didn't know any of it. Have, um, so you have seen it before though? I have seen it. I'm not sure I've seen the whole thing. Mm. I'm not sure... You know, there's a chance because <laughs> I, I, as I'm sure you'll revel in this. I'm getting up there. I've seen a lot of things in my life. I don't yeah, remember every. <laughs> okay, I don't remember everything I've seen, but this mm-hmm. I really thought I had. But watching this again, I don't know, because I, I, I really truly remember none of it. I'm like, do I just remember the trailer? Like. <laughs> And I'm you not know? trying to shade you at all, but I no. am going to run some Ginkgo Biloba by just okay. so you can sort of start the memory <laughs> game, you know, and really fight whatever's coming your way. Because you're shadow boxing with age when right When I now. was 12. Sure. So if I saw it, it would have been then, you know what I mean? But yeah. maybe a year later. Yeah, I saw this that one That was a long theaters. time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, um, let's just say these two understood the assignment. Um, were there a million places where it could have ended? <laughs> You betcha. But um, everything you got, every time they, they pushed it out a little bit longer, they gave you a little bit more of that narrative, and it, it unfurled like, like a beautiful rose. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like... Then I found myself zoning out on a little bit. Okay. okay. <laughs> but then you found yourself coming back, and you were riveted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. were moments. I was in and out. I was in and out. But I mean, okay. I uh, the times... Yeah. I, I think... Yeah. Uh, well, just to start it off, I mean, it is an unhit. I mean, as we know, it's just a wild, wild movie. I I turned to Dave at one point and I said, "This," I said, "This is one of the dumbest movies ever." One hundred percent made, and I, I it so is stupid. so earnest. Like, it is so 
Like, there's the scene, the like, the scene that for some reason was the scene where I said this was after, like, the face-off happens and they've, like, placed, like, they've placed Archer as Nicolas Cage now playing Archer, that, you mm-hmm. know, he has his face. They, they placed him, the good guy pretending to be the bad guy, into, like, this Alcatraz-style prison. And mm-hmm. then he gets a visitor. And it's the moment that, like, he's like, they have, like, you have a visitor, and he's, like, thinking everything's going well, he's undercover, he's getting the intel he needs, he's gonna be getting out soon. And, like, the, and the door opens, Mm -hmm. and as the door opens, it's a slow pan up from the feet to the face of John Travolta, who's now bad boy John Travolta playing pastor. And that was the moment, like, it, like, the camera stays on his face so long, and it's just, like... It's this smug expression that feels like part character, but also part John Travolta's being like, we're doing the damn thing. (laughs) We are making a movie. (laughs) We're making a movie. Scientology's never been bigger. Uh, And uh, I can't see that going awry. (laughs) Christy Alley has all of her faculties about her. And (laughs) we are, we're running this town. You know, in the name of Miscavige. And then, and then... His delivery of mm. what does he say? He's like, "Damn, I'm good looking," or something yeah. like that. And you're like, "What have we entered into?" <laughs> because the thing is that what they did, I and I, I'm in reading about it. Apparently, they spent two two weeks together, which is like whatever that means. Um, but <laughs> apparently, what they you mean did Nick was Cage, Nick Cage and John Travolta spent Nick, two weeks Nikki, together. Nikki, Nikki, Nikki C and Johnny T. They spent Nikki two weeks. T. You know, doing whatever. And apparently taking in each other's, like, mannerisms. Oh, like, my sure, God. Sure you did. I'm sure it <laughs> I'm was... I'm sure you went full method. I'm yes. sure it was just, like, when Judy Dench and Kate Winslet pl- both played Iris in that movie and they spent that time together getting to know each other. I'm sure it br- the same rigor um, went into it. <laughs> but um, I feel like... I just imagine the two of them, like, at, like, In-N-Out Burger and, like, swinging by, like, Planet Hollywood just to get, like, that, like, that adrenaline rush of, like fans from like the midwest like clamoring for autographs um but like it's like like john travolta he's he's caught on to like this sort of like frenetic almost like jack nicholson is the joker style like convulsing that like that like nick cage does with like all of his teeth showing yeah it's like weird wide eyes and it's like travolta can't pull that off no, he cannot. And it's also, like, it's clear that, like, they put all of these scenes of Nick Cage doing it in the movie so that you as an audience will be like, oh, yeah, it's just like that. Um, <laughs> it's like it's spoon-fed to you. It's like it's so, it's it's laid on so thick throughout the whole movie. And it's really, really hard for me to buy John Travolta as, like, the bad guy who like has a screw loose he just i i just don't think that that is his type like it doesn't suit him you know i mean it's honestly almost as hard as it is for me to buy like nick cage as a stable person right exactly <laughs> like the family man oh god um, talk about a snooze fest even Taylioni will... <laughs> couldn't save that one i've never seen that one i don't i don't know that. it's fine isn't it it's, like it's, a... it's 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 a wonderful life light is what it is just watch oh, it's a wonderful okay life. okay um i think the first moment when i realized this movie is gonna be out of its fucking mind is when the first opening scene, scene the first scene <laughs> we witness a child murder at a merry-go-round <laughs> like I understand that Caster Troy, Nicolas Cage's character, is supposed to be like a psycho or a sociopath or whatever, 
But, like, could you not have, like, chosen a different location to shoot, to kill... Dr. Well, also, the way that he pretends, like, he, like, as Dave pointed this out, like, it's like, you're an assassin, you know, like, the penetration, like, you know what this bullet is capable of. Like, right. you see that he's on this, you see he's on this miracle run with his son. Like, you know what's going on. Like, so it's like, as you're setting up, you get eyes on your target, like, you've clearly been following him probably as well. So it's like, you know that on the other side of his torso is the head of his child. Like, you made the decision to do this. So, like, later on when he's like, it was an accident. And it's like, but, but it wasn't. Like, but you did what you did. <laughs> you like, tried. You tried. This is what you do to... for a living. Right. You, like, you're trained to kill specific people. So, it's like, I don't really, like, I'm not loving this story. I feel like there were a million other chances you could have just killed Sean Archer. Although, 100%. As... He doesn't seem like he's home that much. So, and also as Dave... he's away from his family. As Dave pointed out, also, like, what's the what's happening here? Like, you're an assassin, you're killing an FBI agent because you're mad at the FBI? Like, yeah, like, like what's why? The... why? <laughs> it makes it no makes sense. Zero sense. Like, why is he the one who's the who's like who's like the object of like, you know, of your wrath and your vengeance? It doesn't make sense. And they don't create like a backstory that like substantiates anything of like you having, like, maybe, like, you know, Sean Archer killed your brother or something, like, but they're not even giving us that. It's just, like... And they do, like, later in the movie, like, nobody knows, like, you know, Caster Troy better than Sean Archer. So, like, they're trying to establish this relationship that existed before the movie began between Caster Troy and Sean Archer, but, like, they don't explain why it exists and how it developed. So you're just, like, kind of left wondering why are these two so connected and of all of these like fbi agents what is it about him because also killing a single fbi agent doesn't stop anything it just puts more eyes on you and everybody knows you did it too so it's like if you're like and also it's unclear just it's unclear what caster troy does like what is he like he's an arms dealer is he a drug dealer like we at never really. They, at one point, they call he calls himself a terrorist, and I'm like, but that's okay. It. <laughs> but <laughs> what's the cause? Because in order to be a terrorist, you have to have a cause, and your cause just seems like you're fucking angry, man. <laughs> like, yeah, it's your cause <laughs> is just like these like shiny gold guns and like chiclets. Yeah. Like, oh my god, what was the chiclets thing? They they're like, like oh, let's give him in. some idiot. Let's give him some idiosyncrasy. Like this was that box product placement. Uh, right, I'm hope I'm sure. Chi- well, I don't know if Chicklets even in '97 had the kind of money to pay for like a feature in like a John Woo movie. But... Also, for Generation Z who listens to this podcast, Chicklets is a gum. I don't think it exists anymore. But it was, does like, it not? I don't know. I oh, I haven't no. seen it. But it's just like individual pieces of gum, like in a box, like not like the strips, of, like not like a. What do you call it? It's like. I don't even know. Whatever. It's like hard. I mean, it's 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 like a rectangular shape. You probably don't know this either. It's like rectangular shape Mentos kind of. Like know, it's got that it's same gum. sort of like hard. Is Mentos Whatever. not gum? No, Mentos isn't gum. What is Mentos? Mentos is a, the fresh maker, first of all, and you just chew oh, it. That girl. <laughs> and you just chew it, and it's like a candy, but it's like a minty candy. Okay, well, my bad then. But it's that same texture. It's like that same sort of hard shell, but like rectangular shaped pieces of candy. Right. I mean, and also gum. like fucking Google it. Like who cares? Yeah, look it up, guys. Yeah. Um, but he likes his. He has a proclivity for like chiclets, apparently, and also like in the box is like three joints, which is like okay. Like yeah. it's like this is oh the epitome God. of badness. 
there's a, like that's the thing like the the caster troy character is like this like indescript like villainous character who's like a psychopath but also is like i i, I I'm, he's all over the place you don't know what he's doing and so at one point sean archer who has um nicholas cage's face now it, like goes to like one of his criminal buddies, played by Nick Cassavetes, director of The Notebook. Hey, the bald guy. yeah, son, son of son of the iconic Gina Rollins and um, Cassavetes. I can't remember his first name. <laughs> um, but he like John Cassavetes. John Cassavetes. That's what sorry. I'm. I heard you, and I was just sitting here. I was waiting for you to come up with it, and I was like, he's just staring at me. No, so I love John Cassavetes. Not... He's so okay. incredible. Um, I don't really know anything about him, but I know that like Latigra has a song about how he's a misogynist. So I've never really. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, but that. I've never really looked into any of his work. I just know Gina, obviously, whom I, I love. But everything's. Um, I can't. Everything's ruined for me. Everyone's a monster. <laughs> I, I've introduced Dave to Strangers with Candy, which is like one of my favorite shows. I love and it, that show. And it's it so gets problematic now, though. Wild. Yeah. And it's, it's such just a good like show. it's so Shout funny. Shout out to Amy Sedaris. Oh, always. I'm sure always. she's listening. Of course, but it's yeah. just like sometimes, like several times, I was like, I was literally cringing because I was like, oh, don't remember that. Oh, don't remember that. Well, that's that. all this oh, podcast no. is, too. It's like, watch one of my favorite movies. And then you, like, we're texting each other being like, I'm so sorry. I did not remember this. When you, but when you <laughs> made me watch Birth of a Nation, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, that's why that episode never aired. Um, oh, just, just It's kidding. in the vault. I, not, I did not make Brandon watch Birth of a Nation. I just want to make that clear. I want that on on. On the podcast, I want to record it. You said the world as it should be when you sent it to me. I remember. <laughs> it was so rude. Anyways. At so, like, rude point, is the word to describe it. Rude, rude <laughs> doesn't even begin to cover it. So, anyways, at one point, he, um, Nick Cassavetes, or the criminal played by Nick Cassavetes, like, pours some powdery substance into... Um, uh, Castor Troy's slash Sean Archer's drink, and like Sean Archer is in Castor Troy's body, so he feels like he has to drink it. And it's like some, like, I'm like, are you roofing yourself? Like, what is it? He like drinks it and then like has some insane reaction. And it's just like, you could have been like, in that moment, like, you could have been like, hey man, like, I'm just not feeling that great, so I'm gonna hold off for right now. But like, he drinks it, and I'm like, this is such a, and it's Why just would you to put yourself in this position? He's like, yeah. And it's just to prove that he's like a quote unquote criminal. And it but, means nothing and it does nothing. And it, it, in fact, like it just makes him act weirder. And then he passes out for a while. It does. Again, another thing that could have been cut from the movie because the movie is too long. Also, there's like, there are these moments where I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Sorry. No, 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 it's not your fault. It's completely on me. No, I was going to say there are like, there are these, these moments where like in the prison, when he goes, when he's put into the prison and he sees his brother, um, uh, for the first time, he sees Castor's brother and he has Castor's face. Um, Pollux? Pollux. 
Pollock's um, Regretfully, Pollock's, um, played by um, Alessandro Oh, no, wait, Nivola. Pollock's Troy. Pollock's Troy and Castor Troy. These names are wild. What did their parents do? They literally set them up to Somebody be... was just putting letters together. Um, <laughs> but played by Alessandro um, Nivola, who I know from the movie Junebug, which is a really good movie. Yes, he's in a lot of stuff, and I didn't realize he's he been around for so long. But in this movie, he looks like the third Oasis brother. And he also, he makes this vocal choice um, that yep. is... Uh, <laughs> he talks like this a lot in the movie. So, like, when he's talking to detectives and stuff, he does this with his voice in this way that is a choice, I guess, that one could say he made. And uh, also, I saw... It's like to prove that he's like a super genius criminal nerd or something. I don't know. Did you see that Mark Wahlberg was up for this part? <gasps> no. Which Apparently part? he turned it down. Pollux. Oh. I wouldn't have believed that Mark Wahlberg was playing a genius. No. <laughs> Does no. That I don't mean? I don't believe when Mark Wahlberg plays Mark Wahlberg, so <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I know that that's mean, but like No, it's it's actually a joke. Mark Wahlberg Mark Wahlberg does what Mark Wahlberg does. I oh, I, 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 love, I love the other I, The other guys is a hilarious film. It is. It's really Mark funny. Mark Wahlberg is in some great stuff. I just don't see him in this role. No, and this I wasn't his And I said it in the shadiest way I could think of because because of your history and you're both yes. you're Boston peeps so you guys we are Boston know. people we are both Boston Bo- people so yeah um but no that was really funny also I read that apparently they were talking they were they wanted some one of the leads to be black at one point and I was like How? what and John Woo was like I don't know if that's gonna work and it's like it won't <laughs> John Woo had to be the one to bring in and be like, hey guys, that's not going to work. They have to be the same skin tone or else the jig is up. Because honestly, we need to get to the science of this, but I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you. We're like, we're using words like science. Um, So yeah, so it was like, like, he had to be the one to be like, this is just like a wilder version of of blackface if we do this. Because then what do we have? Then we have what? We have John Travolta doing his version of a black man's voice. (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> it's like John Travolta and Sam Jackson. Oh god. Oh my god. So <laughs> thank I god thought... for John Woo coming in and being like, let's take a different direction. Well, also apparently they wanted Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger to play the lead roles originally and John Woo had stepped in and he was the one who was like, I think John Travolta and Nick Cage would be better. Don't get me wrong, do I want a version of this movie that's starring <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is water wet? Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, so we have a lot of ideas and if you're listening and you have suggestions, then feel free to post on our twi- twi- Twitter. We'd love to hear some of your ideas We'd and also on our IG. We'd yeah. love to hear what you get to say about DM it. DM um, us, tweet at us, Facebook us. Which faces all of you'd that. like to see on and off. Yeah, because this is um, a good conversation. Oh, yeah, good. Um, mm-hmm. I saw also in this movie one of the funny things they bring in like <laughs> legend icon CCH Pounder to do this nonsensical role. Oh my God. Tara and I had a 10 minute conversation about how underutilized CCH Pounder is, is in this movie. Why she took the role? Oh, she, the money. Yeah, I bet it was a lot of money. I bet it was a lot of money. It was probably a nice little coin, yeah. Um, but it was nice to see her for like five minutes on screen. Also, I was, I, first of all, she top. She was one of the top billed person. I was like, oh great, she's gonna be like a major character. Um, like another Nicolas Cage movie, Gone in sixty seconds, and then. <laughs> I literally go, whoa, is that Margaret Cho? Yep. And 
Yes, it was Margaret Cho in this movie. And Margaret Cho is in this movie for more for more scenes than CCH Pounder, which I thought yeah. was crazy. But it was like when she was a kind of unknown. I mean, sure, she was known. I think American Girl had happened, so I think she oh, had, had her it? own. I oh, think so, okay. or it was around this time. It, I, that's a when good was question. American but... Girl? I feel like this was 97. Yeah. So I feel like I that had already Google. occurred. American I feel like American Girl, Girl was like 95. Margaret Cho. Oh, it's all American Girls. Sorry. All American Excuse Girl. us. Oh, 94. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So, okay. I was surprised to see her because I just thought, like, this is when she was an unknown, but I guess not. Um, she was coming into her own, probably. I, I, the thing about CCH Pounder's character is, like, so she comes into the movie sort of towards the beginning. At this point, like, Troy has, uh, so first of all, they're, as I mentioned earlier, they're on the airstrip. They're trying to capture, uh, Caster Troy. There's, um, there's this moment with, like, the stewardess who's undercover. <gasps> oh, my God. The FBI agent flight attendant? Yeah. First of all, she's in this sensible pantsuit that is, like, it's it's beige. It's a beige fantasy. But it is not at, like, I don't understand why she was in that outfit. It was like, who are you? Are you the school, are you the school librarian? Or are you? Also, like, she sat down. They got onto the plane. You have no idea who she is. And she, Nicolas Cage just, like, pats his lap, I think. And she Mm -hmm. just, like, sits down on it. And I was like, I was like, do they know each other? Like, what's this relationship? And then he says, if I were to let you suck Suck my my tongue, would you be grateful? And then what she does is she goes to suck his outstretched tongue. Which. I was horrified by. Well, also, disgusting. Also, watch. she's an FBI agent, and it's like <laughs> she she like crosses that line so easily, um, and for so little. Like, and it's like you know you're just here to arrest him, though. Like, and you still did it. Like, you didn't have to do that. And I would get to arresting. If based was... on her outfit, I wasn't sure who she was supposed to be, and I thought no, it, was it was a was really so weird choice, even for like a private jet. And I get that they're like, right. oh, she's not she's not working as a flight attendant on. Um, what is it called? That's not the right term, right? I'm using the wrong term. No, flight term attendant is. Oh. Stewardess is the wrong. Stewardess is the wrong term. Wrong um, term. You want to so, say flight attendant. Flight attendant. So as a flight as a flight attendant, like I get that you're working on a private jet, so you don't have to wear like you know an outfit that the that the people on Emirates wear. But it's like it's something that like at least like references or denotes like what we know that to be. You don't need a pillbox hat on, well, but it's just like Well particularly for this movie like a... because it was so unclear. Is it an associate? Like do they know each other? And then like and then all of a sudden like four minutes later when the shootout starts, it's like she's like FBI and like plays <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. And sure. The only thing I could think about it is like this is like the absolute like quintessential nineties de- depiction of like a federal age a female federal agent. Because every time you see what a woman working for the CIA, the FAI, or even a police officer, like an undercover police officer in like a nineties movie, they're like always undercover as like a sex worker or some sort of sexy ingenue who's like trying to seduce the villain who like doesn't mind using her body to like get the job done and it's like so frustrating to watch and she gets killed like 10 seconds later and all she is is like oh 
you were hired to suck on Nicolas Cage's tongue. I hope they fucking paid you well. That's all I gotta say. Well, she got she got killed, so I guess it doesn't matter. No, um, I mean the actor. I oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know. <laughs> she he he shoots her. Also, it was weird to me that she the plane's like taking off when the FBI like descends upon them. So it's like then they're rushing to like get the plane up in the air before the FBI gets there. It's a sting operation, and like then Nick Cage leans out with her in front of him and he shoots her, and then she pushes her body out onto the tarmac. And when he when he when her body hits the airstrip, she's already dead. Which I for some reason I was like I, I don't know. It just seems surprising to me that that killed her. Um, but what, she's. The- the gunshot? Well, I could. I guess if he shot her through like the chest or the heart, I couldn't really tell where he shot her. But I guess it wasn't like a. It wasn't it was a like a blow. superficial wound. Um, yeah. Either way, she was like on her way out. No, she was. was um, dead. Yeah, she was deceased, and also a fall from a plane about to take off is also enough to kill you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's gonna kill you um, if you weren't already dead. You're done, kid. You're done. Um, I also felt like he was like leaning out the plane as it was like, like going down the runway really yeah. fast and he was like leaning out the door and like shooting at the FBI and Sean Archer and I was like you wouldn't be able to do this you would be like smacked back oh, by yeah, the, the wind, wind so aggressively well, also as Dave pointed out it was the longest runway in the history of runways I, like this runway went on for ever <laughs> It, like like they were just on the ground. I mean, it it was it was like a trip in a car. I mean, it was like it was covering a distance. Yeah. Um. And there, I'm surprised the pilot wasn't just like we're out of we're out of stress. We're out of space. We're out of space. We're just we're gonna we're gonna ride it right into the. Uh, do you the want me to do a there. loop or? Yeah, we can try again. Um. But uh. Yeah. So all of that happens, and during this whole tussle, this is like I guess when Caster he gets like there's like a. a he gets like a big fan that like slams him against a grate and I guess this <laughs> knocks him into a coma. <laughs> but also like he like falls onto this like keypad and like definitely presses the button himself to turn on whatever like fire that like spits him out and slams him against the grate. Like it's the shot of it looks so intentional of him like pressing the button. It's so silly. But like all of this happens and so but then at this point Archer uh, and they arrest Pollux, his brother. Archer, like, thinks that he's dead. And then, like, Archer's in his office. CCH Pounder comes in. Hollis Miller is the character's name. And she's like, hey, babe, I'd love to talk to you about something. Um, we need, we want you to go undercover as Castor Troy. And he's sort of like, what do you mean he's dead? And she's like, come with me. And throughout, and then she takes him to, like, this top secret facility where she reveals to him that Castor Detroit is still alive and in, in, in a vegetative state. And he's like in this bed and the whole scene, CCH Pounder looks like she's on the verge of laughter to me. Every time the camera pans to her, she has this smirk on her face that it's like, is this an acting choice or is this just CCH Pounder waiting on craft services? Like, cause it's giving me like, you know, I played fucking Euripides like at the globe. Like I'm, I'm acclaimed. And this like, is a I'm nonsense you a fools have me doing. Classically trained actor. And here I am as uh, making whatever I'm making, putting a cigarette out on Nicolas Cage's vegetative oh. body. <laughs> that, okay, yeah. So <laughs> to there's... prove that he's a vegetable. So there's and I'm a... like, where did this 
is I know he's a bad guy, but this is a little disrespectful. So there's a moment where Sean Archer's like, oh my god, I can't be alive, and she's like, he's a vegetable, and she's smoking a cigarette, which also was weird that she was allowed to even smoke a cigarette in this facility, even though it was 1997. And she goes, he's a vegetable, and she takes her cigarette and she puts it out on his arm, and it is just like, what? That's still not okay, though. Like we've still got like we've got like you know rules. Like You've you got can't rights, even even in vegetative state as human. Like if you're gonna, if yeah, if you rights. are going to, you know, if he's gonna have some sort of trial, or if you're going to decide that like he is to die, then like that's obviously got its own complications. But like him being in this vegetative state and you just like bringing people in and like cutting off toes to prove how asleep he is, is it's a wild choice. Um, <laughs> but then they like they give him a really like loose explanation for what they're gonna do for him, and they want him to like agree on the spot. And it's like, it's so they they literally just show him like the, an ear, like an ear, and they're like, this is this is how we're because I guess one of the guys, one of the agents' ear gets blown off in the shootout. Yes, and they're like, this is how we're replacing his ear. What if we did this temporarily to your whole fucking face? To your whole ass face. Yeah. And John Travolta doesn't ask nearly enough questions. He barely hesitates. Like, they give him... <laughs> he He's like, so you're telling me you want me to lie to my whole family and everyone I love and just go go ahead and turn into this monster? And they're like, yep. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. Like sure almost thing. instantly. Anything away, anything to get away from my frigid wife. It's <laughs> like he is all too willing to do this. And the number one question from me would have been like, I, I love to. It's great. This is cool. It's like where um, are any of the people that you've done this to successfully? Yeah, I would love to see a list of like the clinical trials you've done and how this is working. And some out. phone numbers, because I'd love and to some... just get a moment on the phone and bend their ear about yeah, yeah, yeah. what the procedure, the procedure that doesn't leave a scar, baby. Oh, they my take God. these faces, these faces are taken <laughs> off and replaced and unclockable. Unclockable, which, as we all know, since they have done face transplant um, surgeries since this movie's been made. I think the first one was in 2012. Um, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> how do I say this without sounding horrible? <laughs> Just keep leaning into it, girl. Uh, uh, they're clockable. <laughs> Uh, it is a, it is a, well, here, it is difficult to do all, a major surgery of, of any course. sort without a single scar. Right. And like, it is, well, it is. Even like when you get your appendix out, yeah. you have a scar. Like if, you, if the technology existed to get rid of scars the way this movie claims, then none of us would have scars anywhere. Like, yeah, yeah, you've got like, yeah, it is a, it's a very uh, distinct set of uh, things that happen. Um, in this movie and that like leave you leave you without a scar anything also it's like they, they they glaze over it and I wonder if it was done in post or if they said it in front of him but they but like there's this moment where they're like oh we'll also do abdominoplasty on you too I know I have this written down too it's like I wrote come through body shaming he yeah. said Chichavolta will do a quick abdominoplasty to get rid of those love handles and it's like so he's getting a tummy tuck too, because when um, uh, Caster puts on John Travolta's face, he has the same body. And the thing that pisses me off too is like, this can't work. 
And here's why. Your hands wouldn't be the same. Your hands are a very distinct thing. You recognize people's hands. And your teeth wouldn't be the same. And yet, as soon as he puts on Castor's face, apparently is the same teeth as well. And it's, it's like, no, teeth are very distinct too. No, you are, that's 100% right. And of course, as we play around with and find out later, your dick's not going to be the same. Your dick is not going to be the same. And it blows my mind that Joan Allen didn't notice. And when two people, yeah, yeah the victimization that's never unpacked in this film. We never right, get exactly. a moment of Joan Allen taking a Silkwood shower and like <laughs> crying and screaming about the victimization and like the right. fact that she was left out of the loop on this and, and through being left out of the loop made extremely, the, uh, arguably the most vulnerable of anyone. Like hundred percent. Her character is so glossed over and she is absolutely one of the biggest victims in all of this. I mean, she literally is like, um, what's the word? Like, um, I mean, she is the biggest victim. Her son she, is killed. And then right. she's like, and then she's like sexually coerced, victimized, coerced into sleeping with a man who is not her husband thinking but who has borrowed husband. his face. Yeah, um, it's, and there's not a scene of her being like, what happened to your dick? <laughs> right before they say, because that would have been you really this or a scene of her the next day being like being like oh my god it, it felt so much bigger last night <laughs> in which case like sean archer is like well there's no or she's like what happened to the rest of you down there <laughs> i mean we're talking about a wife know. of like we're talking about a wife of like yeah. almost 15 20 years 20 it's years like, yeah you would you know notice yeah, you know what your partner's dick looked like. And, you know, it, they're, they're all snowflakes, you know what I mean? So it's it like, is, yeah, it, it, it's it's wild. And you, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about the teeth yet, Janie, but you were correct. Because they show, like, they show them switching faces. Yeah. And they show, like, them, like, tweaking the hairline or whatever, which is, like, I mean, yeah, Nicolas Cage's hairline, oh. John Travolta's hairline, sure. Both yeah, of these those... are suggestions. Yeah, <laughs> they don't match up even for that. What them, if they were just like, so? yeah, they, they're literally just like, we're just going to switch out your hair pieces for each yeah, other. It's like, <gasps> what? <laughs> what? No, no, no. Mom's the word. What hair piece? What? I, this hair that's going for my scalp? <laughs> sure, sure, Jan. Sure. Okay, okay. Um, And I love, oh my God, speaking of the hair, Tara made such a good point when we were watching this movie. She was like, why are they cutting the hair during surgery that's such like that contaminate everything like oh, all yeah. these little pieces of hair getting in under the skin and then yeah. all of a sudden oh. your face rejects john chavon's oh. face because of like oh. the bacteria that got in through through the or like or clumps of hair trying hair? to seep out through the incisions oh god it's horrible also when they when they unveil to John Travolta's character in Nicolas Cage's face, he has a <laughs> breakdown. He he <laughs> takes he takes like was it a coat rack and he like slams it into like this like trifold mirror until it yeah. shatters into a million pieces. He's like, oh, right. It's like first of all, girl, you agreed to this, so you didn't wake up having this happen unbeknownst to you. You knew what you were getting into. A and B, abdominoplasty is its own kind of major surgery, mm -hmm. and there's not a moment when he wakes up. Abdominoplasty takes weeks to recover from, and he wakes up. And he is, like, guns blazing, like, slamming things. There's not even a moment where he touches his side. He would have, like, drainage tubes connected right. to, like, his waist. This is not, like, if they give you, they gave you the full-on mommy makeover. And then, <laughs> yeah, 
then you pretend like nothing happened. And they really try to cover the fact that, like, it's very quick. By the doctor just has one line where it's like, well, with this new anti-inflammatories, healing takes days, not weeks. And it's like, no, it doesn't. And it doesn't exist. And it can't work. And you would have scars. And these are two different people. Also, also one of the things that they noted that that was really shady was they said that when she there's a, okay so there's a moment towards the end of the movie where we find out about their respective blood types because uh, Sean Archer's O O negative I believe or or O positive and o and negative, Castor Tro- O negative and Castor Troy is, is A B negative I think whatever they're just and different so blood types. they're different blood types but apparently it's important because. Is because oh neg- if you have O negative blood, then that means that you can like be a donor. You're a universal donor. Universal like, donor, yeah. And so you're so you're a giver. And then like mm-hmm. if you have A B, that means you're like a universal recipient. So it's like they're trying to like <gasps> oh, tell okay. this story, which I thought was really funny. But I also didn't even clock that. I didn't know. But also apparently, like when they're showing doing the quick like screen with all the different info about like their respective bloods, we find out that apparently given Cast. Troy's like A1C, he's actually gotta be a diabetic. Really? <laughs> they said that his A1C is like way too high. So they were like, he would be in the diabetic category, which I was like, what an interesting little shady thing to throw in there. Oh my god. That hard living, I guess. They're trying to be like Yeah. <laughs> too many, too many um snacking on those chiclets. As from a family <laughs> coming from a family um littered with diabetics, I can tell you that like there's a there's there's diabetes one and there's diabetes two and like mm-hmm. I think that type one is the one that you're born with and type two yeah. is the one that you acquire, and when everybody has type one, they always want you to know. <laughs> they want you to know that they. I didn't do this to myself. I know. There's actually a lot of shame within. I'm sure within like people who are type two diabetic, which is fucked up because it's like. Oh, for sure. So and by the way, I, I come from a, a family. Uh, adorned with type twos. <laughs> you all played an everybody's played an active role in their acquisition. <laughs> well, I do want and right, but I mean it's also it's genetic and you know. Oh, for sure, not... and black people and I, people of color have like a black people have a predisposition. There's like a lot of factors, but I just thought it was funny as a person who you know my doctors keep telling me I'm dancing around on the edge of that knife. Uh, every time I go in, they're like, baby boy, you heard us last time? Uh, so I just thought it was funny that they were like, oh, let's let's up that A1C a little bit. We want people to know that his life of crime and decadence has, has some consequences. Has finally caught up to him. He might lose a foot. There's just a, there's just a moment where like, there, there's a moment where he said check his like blood sugar. They're just like, no, that's not sexy. Take it out. Um, but yeah, also I would think that their blood types... What, but I, you know what though? I was, I thought about this, and this is not me saying that this is solid, but I guess mm-hmm. given their blood types, they're actually complementary blood types. So, like, because that was one thing I thought about with, with switching of faces was like, what, I feel like if you have How could like you transplants, reject? I feel like blood, but if he's an, if he's a universal recipient and he's a universal donor, then maybe that means that they can't, they're both poised to sort of receive. That is possible. That's something I'm willing to believe, and that is the one thing 
I'm willing. <laughs> that's all. That's all you're willing to give this this magnificent um, psychological thriller. Uh, well, I just love how like in the '90s we just pretend because nobody really knew a ton about technology. No, no, we no, just no, no. Pretended that it did everything. Like, and that is how movies got made. Like, there's that scene where CCH Pounder brings in the floppy disk that they oh, like yeah. acquired after the shootout with um, Nick Cage, and they're like. I don't know where they acquired it, but it like sh- sh- all they do is she pops in the floppy disk, and then some sort of pre-made video starts playing, and reve- nobody's doing anything to like click into anything or be like, "What's the? What are these files?" It's just like some pre-made video just starts playing about all their nefarious plans for this like huge bomb that they pe- they planted in the LA Convention Center. It's like, who is this for? Like, also, that can't happen. Also, a bomb is, like, I don't know if a bomb in a random location in L.A. is enough to, like, initiate this sort of, this protocol of, like, replacing faces. Of replacing faces? Oh, well, oh, well, it's, I mean, thousands of people can be killed from a bomb. I mean, I get that, but, like, I don't know. This is wild technology and them just being, like, we got a plan. (laughs) And it's, like, you, and it's also, like, you know him better than anyone. I will say that it is um, a, a large plan needs to go into action. It shouldn't have been this one because this plan. Is <laughs> this wasn't fucking, the one, Jane. It's <laughs> a fucking wild plan. No matter how you put it, I can't see this working for any like counterterrorism. Like Dave pointed out, it was that like, they were worried because of the Supreme Courts, uh, because of the Supreme Justices per, Court Justice the and the Court Convention Just- Center. Okay, which well, was I think. I think anytime there are lives at risk, whether it's a Supreme Court justice or not, like, yes, let's put a plan into action. But I do not think that the face-off plan should really be one that's ever on the table. Can we talk about this prison break, too? Oh, the prison break's amazing. Wild. It was a great one. we've all seen seen Shawshank Redemption. And generally, people spend months planning a prison break. But not Nick Cage. He just decides that afternoon he's going to get out. And he figures out that when you get in the... When they take you to the infirmary for shock treatments, I guess, they remove your magnetic metal snow boots. And so you can get out. And he somehow knows all the technology in the prisons to be able to get out. It's just so unbelievable. Well, he's an FBI agent. Yeah, but you don't know this. That doesn't give you a knowledge prison. of like, yeah, the <laughs> you entire have to have, like, like logins prison complex. and like, yeah, yeah exactly. No, and he knows what to do. He finally gets out, and then he realizes the prison is like on a boat. It's like a fl- or is a boat or is a floating prison or something. But also, how would he not have known that? How would he not? You would have been given all of this information before they put you in the prison. You're a 100%. you're an FBI agent. They're not going to just like like. There's no way. There's no way for you to have yep. arrived here mm-hmm. unless they just did the surgery here, which we know they didn't. There's mm-hmm. no way for you to have not gleaned when you were on that body of water being brought over what was happening. Well, you had to have you had to have made that journey. <laughs> And realized I'm on water, at least. Although they would have briefed you. Like, they yeah, would have briefed no, you. Yeah, no, it makes no sense. 
It makes zero sense. And what makes even less sense is that he gets to like the very tippity top of the prison and then everyone's after him. There's a helicopter after him. Everybody on the boat, prison boat floaty thing is after him. And so he just like dives into the water and then he's fine. And then he escapes. But we don't know how. Next scene we see him, he like steals a he's car. On he's land. Like, driving away. And it's like, how could that have happened yeah especially with all the technology that is available to this prison they could have found a single person floating in the middle of the ocean particularly when they're fucking looking for you it just I mean, made there no should sense. actually be, i mean there'd be protocol in place to like avoid these kind of like kerfuffles right. um but he like makes it to land uh no problem also so then we have him sort of like attempting to ingratiate himself to like the family of sean archer he, like, pulls up to the house. And, first of all, John Woo, I feel like, must have wanted, like, Ellen Barkin or, like, Sharon... St like, apparently, Joan Allen was the first choice. But here's what I'm going to say. Okay. I love me some Joan Allen. Okay, good. I'm glad that was the first thing you but, said. But... Oh, I love her. But mm -hmm. this, like, boom chicka wow wow music that they play <laughs> when Caster Troy, as John Travolta, sees her for the first time, and then they do a close-up on Joan Allen's ass... Oh, I didn't notice that. They do a whole close-up on her butt, and he's like, ooh. <laughs> First of all, show a little respect. Second of all, it's Joan motherfucking Allen. <laughs> it is just like, what is this booty shot? Like, Well, it's also like, that is not how I see her. I see her as like... Also, by the way, she's the only one who brings me like gravitas to this like movie, where it's like, when she has her moments, they feel like earned at least to me but the way that she's played this character they give her some um, moments though where she is motivationless like oh, and she has to yeah. do things and you're yeah. like they, your character was given no like line for this you were just expected to achieve levels of emotionality that are so beyond like the confines of like this script and like just sense it, it, it's it's amazing and she does it very well yeah she does it well it, and that's the saving grace of her in this character but you know, again, I, this was not a part that I felt like, I mean, was worthy of Joan Allen. <laughs> well, that's why, well, also, I felt like they wanted, they, I, that's why I said, like, Ellen Barkin or, like, Sharon Stone, because I felt like they wanted almost, like, they wanted, like, like a vixen almost in the part, yeah. or a woman who had that within her. And it's like, those are more sensual actresses. And they also just didn't style Joan Allen. Like no, that that's the all. other thing. They style like they her the her way like that beige suits and stuff like, like that. Like beige, they really like they really like that I sage love. too on her. Yes. Um and sage they put her in sage pantsuits with like that like kerchief around the neck. They're putting her in all those outfits that my mom used to walk out of the house in when I was a kid and I was like, Go get him, girl. <laughs> um it's very that and it's like this isn't the moment. And well, like she's, she's got these doctor, tightly you know, she's got these the tightly ER. quaffed curls. But it's yeah. like but that moment when Nicolas Cage sees her for the first time, they're basically playing funky Comadina. Like when he <laughs> sees her for the first time and he's just like Damn That's yeah, my wife. In the Talbot's pantsuit? Oh, snap! <laughs> and it's like, let's all... Okay, Shawnee boy! <laughs> let's you all do rem you. remember what this movie is. Because y'all are... This is not it right now. As it's far a, as like... It was a weird, weird choice. I agree. And Oh my god, those sensible pumps? 
Joan Allen is a handsome woman. She's beautiful and she deserves all of that. But again, she's not. Handsome woman is so shady. (laughs) I didn't mean it shadily. I actually think she's really pretty. I think she's a beautiful woman. Uh, But I said handsome woman. It was a word choice because I thought it was It's very sapphic of you. Um, (laughs) So there's that moment. And then we have arguably one of the more dicier scenes, although I'll be clear in saying it's not our first foray into a hinting at the oeuvre of incest, but there's a moment when he meets his teenage daughter, when he meets Sean Archer's teenage daughter, where she's like upstairs in her room. Also earlier, we meet her in one previous scene where she's got this eyeliner on her eyes and like she's supposed to be giving us like rebellious teen and also, it, the, and like, what does John Travolta say? He's like, what? He's like, you change your look every week. Why don't you know who you are, or something like that? And it's like, it's like fifteen. Honey, she's fifteen. Who knows? Who knows who they are when they're fifteen? This is bad parenting. It is. Yeah. He's like. He's like. Yeah. He's like. Why can't you figure it out? Basically. And also, Joan <laughs> Allen in these first scenes with her, she's like the daughter's like yelling and screaming. Joan mm-hmm. Allen is checked out. She is in these <laughs> she scenes. She's not, not giving anything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she is just like this day is almost over hopefully Mm um tired of pretending like i'm in love with john travolta uh she's she's just standing in the corner not giving anything not invested in like whatever's going on with her daughter and i guess she's supposed to be giving us like you know beleaguered but like it is funny um and then like the next scene we have of her is her in her room in her panties and like a tank top and like (laughs) John Travolta, Caster Troy's John Travolta is James Brown. Listening to James Brown, you know, like kids did in '97. Um, and she's and she's like, and John Travolta's character as Caster Troy is leaning against the door, watch ogling her as she's like walking around disgusting. the room in her panties, and he's like, oh. And then what does he say? He says, oh God, like he says something like, oh God, give me the strength to fight it or something like that. I don't know what it is, but it's a, it's a minor. So it's like, even if you are usurping someone else's body, it doesn't change her age. Doesn't change the laws of nature, baby. Um, (laughs) And and then he comes in the room. And he comes in the room and he reaches for her cigarettes, but she's standing there and she doesn't know what he's reaching for. So he's reaching around her body and leaning into her and she's sort of between his two arms as he's reaching. So she's almost pinned against her dresser as he's trying to reach for something. And it is just like, it's it's a dicey moment. Wu made his, so Wu wanted gross. us to know that danger was imminent. And it should also be noted that this isn't, this because you remember this is Nicolas Cage as John Travolta's character, but this isn't Nicolas Cage's Caster Troy's first foray into uh groping a minor because in the first scene of this movie he's dressed like a priest and there's a full-on choir first of all he puts his at the first scene in the movie this choir is performing he's dressed like a priest he comes out he does this dance move where he puts his hands on his thighs and he starts twirling his head around (laughs) and we're gonna oh my god is he twerking it is it's all the twerk (laughs) And then he goes up into the choir. It's a group of children. It's like teenagers, high school students. He goes and stands behind this young woman who's performing this choir who looks like she's like 15. And then he grabs her ass and like and like howls. It is crazy. It's wild. And I don't know I don't know why he's at the LA Convention Center dressed as a priest. 
I don't know if he was with the group. <laughs> or if he thought it was going to, like, mask, I'm... like, his nefarious, like, doings. Like, ooh, I'm going to be there. There's going to be, a, like, a Catholic, you know, choir performing. It'll do, it'll, it'll help me mask, like, what I've got, what I'm doing behind the scenes. I'll just think I'm with them. And, I mean... This Although is... you twerking isn't helping, like, keep, like, the disguise. <laughs> and he does it in front of the entire choir. And, I mean... <laughs> This is not a surprise to me since this is the Catholic Church, but he stands behind a woman and grabs her in plain sight. And sorry, oh, not a woman, a child, yeah. a child performing in the choir, and nobody does a damn thing. The choir director can't be bothered. I thought she was going to step over and be like, "Excuse me, sir." Somewhere who? So when this like... girl gets home to tell her parents about her day, her baby's day out. And she informs them of what happened. They're going to be like, where was Sister Hortense? And she's going to be like, worried about her choir. She was performing that while I was having some acts performed on me, unfortunately. And they're going to be getting a call. I'll never forget that will scar me. Trauma. And I'm sure, you know, Sister Hortense is probably going to be like, well, what were you you doing with your flaxen hair down? It's going to be like trying to blame it on her. I'd love to do that. What were you wearing to get that hungry piece? The same fucking robe everybody else was, chick. Um, but, like, that happens. And then there is also, like, there's this moment where he decides he's, like, as John Travolta, he's, like, I'm going to be a good husband. And he makes this dinner. And the dinner is, like, these two lobs. It's these two lobsters on the center of the table. And then it's, like, a plate. It's, like, a big plate of, like, spaghetti and, like, marinara. And I, like, what turned to Dave and I was, like, what's this combo? <laughs> like, what it's is the set designer up? Turf. No. It's like, I don't know what it is, but it, according to Caster Troy as John Travolta, it was it's the opulence. height of elegance. <laughs> it was weird. And also they have like this whole dinner and like, then like there's a moment where he like beckons her to the bedroom and like Ugh. those lobsters were not touched. I can't believe it. I I, you know if I'm watching a movie and there's a lobster on the table, because that's, I, I do lobster every day. Instead <laughs> um, I eat it once a year. Yeah, me too. I literally, I... And then start eyeing everybody else's. We have a friend who has an annual lobster fest. And we go to his house. And I, like, I start getting sad about my lobster. (laughs) Like, halfway through my lobster, I'm sad about how it's going to be gone soon. Can Uh, I tell you, can I tell you the most, like, do you know what happened last year? I was like, I want two lobsters. I'm going to say it. I want to eat two lobsters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And Tara and Patrick went to go buy lobsters. And then, like, someone else showed up to the dinner that there wasn't, like, a lobster for. So I didn't get to have two lobsters. (laughs) When I'm saying this out loud, it actually makes me want to shove myself into oncoming traffic. Because I'm sitting here talking to you, realizing I'm being recorded, complaining about the fact that my fat ass didn't get her two lobsters at the lobster fest because someone else showed up and I couldn't be charitable. I was pissed. It was a it was a wrench in the plans is what it was. And um, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. And we're going to make a list and there's not going to be any confusion and nothing's going to be lost in translation. And we're going to check it twice, just like Santa Claus. Um, we're not going to have any more of these. These slipperoos that cost people their opportunity. Here's the tea. I really do only have lobster once a year. Me There's too, maybe and it's a... my favorite food. It's my favorite yeah, food. Yeah, I agree. Lobster, uh, I want lobster, I want a baked potato. Um, I'm, I'm trash from the South. And I want <laughs> and I want a big thing of butter. There are ways the older I get in which I, like, 
I'm always aware that I'm from the South. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love my Southern roots. Uh, well, of I mean, course. not all of them. Well. I don't claim all that other shit. Um, <laughs> but I, but I love like, especially when it comes to like food and food culture and all mm-hmm. of that. Like, I love that part, but it's like, there's certain, t- certain times when I'm just like, they're like, and I do it with Dave too. Cause there's sometimes I'm like, God, you're so fucking Midwestern. And I know with, <laughs> I, I have this moment with, with myself where I'm like, God, you are so Southern. Like, or I'll say something and somebody will be like, whoa. And I'll be like, yeah, let's go get that. Where y'all at? And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Sometimes I hear it. on your voice for sure. I I, Especially I, if I get ex- if I get excitable, then yeah, like it really does like, I'm like, it pops whoa. out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, um, a character we haven't gotten around to um, mentioning yet. And a relationship that we haven't really gotten around to um, mm. completely uh, breaking down or, or dissecting. We have... <laughs> have the character of Sasha played by uh, our girl from a couple weeks ago um the Gina Gershon Gina Gina Gershon you have probably heard us talk about her in the Showgirls episode if you Absolutely. haven't make sure you listen to it afterwards great episode great movie great woman all around and we and when was cast in this movie after the director saw Bound <gasps> a, a movie I still have never seen before but I know it's like an iconic film it is, yeah, I think that is on my list for you. Gina and Gina and Jennifer. I know it. I love me some Jennifer Tilly. I ne- I never get enough of her. I wish Jennifer Tilly was in more. I want Jennifer Tilly and Jennifer Coolidge to do something together. That would be <gasps> those voices coming together. Can you imagine? I, I honestly that would be so good. Uh, you have you have to get in touch with somebody about this. I will. I'll call. I'll call. You know. I'll call my people. Um, but we've got Gina Gershon, and then we've got Nick Cassavetes. As, um, okay, Dave did point out that that's our female face-off of the dueling Jennifers, Jennifer Tilly and Jennifer <gasps> oh, Coolidge. Oh, our female and face-off, Jennifer Coolidge and Jennifer Tilly. That would be incredible. That's I a movie, they, that's like, a movie I want to see. And yeah, me too. Can, that's a movie I want to Comedy, make. action, whatever. Let's get it By done. the way, we are throwing out all these ideas. If any of you take these ideas if and write them and you. sell them, we will literally find you. And sue you for everything you have. Because we're We've already write. told you about our lawyers, so don't make yep. us flex. We are famously litigious and understand the system of law that we work under better than anybody else. We love, so... a, we love a reason to just be in court. We'd mm-hmm. love a reason to pull out our pantsuits. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll wipe the floor <laughs> with, Joan, with, jo, with, with Joan Allen's pantsuits. The ones that we got. Exactly. The ones, that stuff that I got from JCPenney and Macy's mm-hmm. back in the day. We're talking beige. We're talking sage. We're, we're talking, talking eggshell. lavender. Eggshell. We're talking eggshell. All we're all talking an off white as well. And we're talking a flimsy silk scarf around my neck. Yeah, and I'm and I got my good wigs too. I'm gonna tease the hell out of them. Yes. And then I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna tease those. I'm gonna taunt you in court. Um, so don't, don't do it. Me. Don't come for it. Okay. Also. By the way, we had Pollux, who earlier in the movie was very skeptical of the Nicolas Cage that showed up at the prison being his brother. But what he's not skeptical of is John Travolta telling him that he, that he is his brother with a with a different face. He instantly yeah. believes that. Um, and that's way more plausible to him for some reason. So then these two are working together. So we've got John Travolta's evil caster and... Uh, Pollux working together. Pollux is like spying on like the lair where like Sasha and like Dietrich and their crew stays. And he sees Nicolas Cage's, you know, character in the room and he calls um, 
he calls Archer, John Travolta's character, to be like, hey, it looks like somebody's on the move. And he's enjoying, he's enjoying being you. And so then Gina Grishon, you know, she makes a comment like, you've got to get out of here. The cops are coming. I can't lose my son. <laughs> and she they, makes this statement so many times. She says, and like, at the beginning, John Travolta before the actual, they've switched faces. John Travolta says to her like he's like interrogating her. And he's like, one call, and I'll get, and I'll get your kid into foster care. And I was thinking, how, how? You yeah, can't just do that. To you can't just do that. And he's like, um, and she's like, I don't want to lose my son. And then like later on, and then in the same scene, he comes in, and then she's like, he's your kid too. And it's like, did he not know this before? Because this is an old-ass child. He's like six, seven years old. So it's like, why are you acting like this is their first time meeting? And secondly, why why did you say before I'll lose my son instead of just saying our, our son will get taken away from me? Our son like, It was just away. so strange for a person in the same scene to be like, hey, my son should come over here. And then like later on to be like, hey, by the way, your son. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> like, no one checked over the script. And then, like, also, like, for a person whose, mo- like, main motivation, which she says many times, is to not get her son taken away, she <laughs> certainly puts her son in a ton In a wild amount of danger. Situations. There's, like... It's some at one point they're in the in the room and he, the son just like picks up one of Nicolas Cage's like fancy guns and is like walking around with it. And she's like, oh no 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 honey no no no! And it's like, stop taking your like now I understand at the beginning why they were like one call to foster care. I'll take your also, kid away. Well, also your son is living in like this this like opioid den and like and like you pay, he picks up a gun and she runs over and she's like, no no never. <laughs> And it's like, okay, your words betray your actions, though. <laughs> right. Um, We'd love for you to show us, not tell us. <laughs> yeah, I'd love for you to show me what it looks like to not be in a room laden with weapons. Because this is just this is just sitting on the bed. Like, this was well right, within my reach. just chilling on the bed. Yeah, like, I'd love for you to tell me where you think we live. Like, she's just like, no, 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 put that down, put that down, never that. And it's like, I just watched my uncle, like, kill someone yesterday. Like, g- yeah, you're not doing a great job with the editing, but, like, I, I, I feel you. I, I get the spirit that's behind I, I understand this. that this is something you really want, but you got to make some changes, honey. you got to stop visiting your brother's house. Also, when, like, the, like, there's, like, a torpedo that, like, the cops initiate that flies through the window, and then, like, instantly he's in danger, and then everybody's just sort of handing him around in this, like, in this, like, this crazy place. And, like, at one point, Gina Grishon is, like, double-fisting two weapons. She's fully, like, an active participant in the shootout. And then she, like, and then she, like, turns and she's, like, they're trying to get her son out. She goes, be careful with him. And it's like, how about you put down the weapons and you get your child and you get out of here if you're concerned about it. Like, hide or something. Or Why are you out? in this shootout? Like, why are you why actively are you, involved? Why instead are you of... participating in a shootout? If you, again, don't want to lose your son, maybe grab your son and leave the apartment. Yeah, or find a place to, like, take cover. But it's like... yeah. <laughs> You pretending to care and then, like, doing something completely different. Also, it is worth noting, we mentioned earlier the escape from Alcatraz that happens when, like, Nicolas Cage, like, gets out of... It's not Alcatraz, but... It's not, but I know, but it's the the vibe. But when Nicolas Cage, (laughs) he's getting out. Also, this is John Travolta with Nicolas Cage's face. John Travolta kills several police officers in this scene. 100%. Like... And I was just thinking... And there's a point where the guy who's helping him get out is just shooting police officers. And he goes up to him, he's like, no, no. And it's like, oh, so you... You're 
you you it has to be it has to be for whatever reason you that you've deemed appropriate but like this should be something that you have to unpack afterwards when we get these switcheroo of these faces completed like you killed a lot of men today like and you didn't have to kill all of them but he's just like he's gonna justify what he did but i just thought that was really funny that there's no moment of him unpacking the fact that he murdered these police officers um his colleagues his colleagues his friends (laughs) um he ended their lives that day um and uh i guess he's just gonna keep on ticking uh but yeah this shootout happens and then towards the end of the shootout there's a moment where dietrich goes up to sasha he's been shot and he knows he's been fatally wounded and he says goodbye to her and he looks at his sister and then they have a very long passionate kiss on the mouth it Um, is hard to watch it's one of those kisses that you go back and you look at the cast again and make sure that you're not making up the fact that they're siblings. 100% I watched this movie twice and I thought, next time you watch this, listen a little closer because I thought they were siblings. And I watched it the second time and the information did not change. She is and her brother's keeper, apparently. She was her brother's keeper of his tongue, which is also why we can't be why we can't be one hundred percent sure whose kiddo this is because also it seems like every the, again the company, I'm yeah. not sure after hearing about how much she wants to keep her son I'm not sure um, that Gina Gershon's environment is the safest place to raise you don't kids. think so <laughs> there's incest there's drugs there's shootouts I mean frankly yeah you, that's it's... really something to watch your mom and your uncle make out. <laughs> That is like, that's something I'm packing therapy later, babe. Yeah. Like, I saw mm-hmm. my uncle stick his tongue down my mom's throat. As oh my done. God, I can't believe that your dad's brother, if only. <laughs> if, if only. I would never think that there would be a world where I would wish for that. <laughs> uh, but we're dealing with some, actually happened. <laughs> we're dealing with some blurrier lines here, pal. Um... Uh, we're dealing with the the, the the tyke she grew up with. Wowza. Wowza. So um, um oh. oh no. I wanna talk I wanna talk about I wanna jump around a little bit. I wanna unpack the seemingly <laughs> worst date of all time. And the which, malpractice. And the ma- well, this is all part of it. So you take a girl to a servitor's restaurant. You don't find out her dietary restrictions beforehand. Okay, a little selfish, but I can move through that. She breaks her tooth on a rye seed, which I'm like, teeth. what is going on with your teeth that they are? That was so my first thought. Those teeth were brittle. <laughs> brittle or so <laughs> you're like un- malnourished so poorly <laughs> that you can break your teeth on a rise it reminds me of emily mortimer's bird bones when she was on oh. 30 rock 30 rock the bones yes. of a bird <laughs> avian bird syndrome yeah, um, that's right. and then three you drive around all night to find an all-night dentist okay and the one you get to is so drunk that they fix the wrong tooth, which means a you can someone's up in your face, you can smell alcohol in them. Yeah, I'm saying thanks, but no thanks. I'll go with another. Also, dentist. you can't feel what tooth they're fixing. Yeah, <laughs> you you don't know what's going on with that. Oh, that's and not the B, one that's missing. 
I hope you made a lot of money in that suit for malpractice. Hopefully you you contacted Sarkeesian and Sarkeesian or Glenn Lerner or whoever you have in your town. Mm-hmm. And I hope that dentist doesn't have his license anymore because that is not okay. But I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second and say maybe he got up in that mouth and he was like, maybe I did fix the wrong one, but you've got yuck mouth anyway. There was a lot going on in there, so I just fixed one of the other ones that needed to be fixed. So, I love the world we live in where yuck mouth is a medical condition. Absolutely. I'm all for it. I also, so like, we've already mentioned a lot of what's going down at this point. Then there's like the big final show off between these the two. The final face-off a final face-off between these two that starts at this church after lazaro's funeral after john travolta's <laughs> nicholas cage bad guy john travolta kills kills lazaro it's in his boss. office because because his boss finally because david said early in the movie why is nobody like questioning him on his sources that he seems to always be at the place where crime is about to happen and his boss comes <laughs> right? in he's like his boss and they're finally ready to do that his boss is like something's not adding up you're you're nominated for times Man of of the year. And he's like, you're just (laughs) jealous. And he's like, no, no, no. And then he kills him. Uh, So then there's a big funeral with all the doves because John Woo loves a dove. And well, I was like, I wrote this church is giving me like Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet vibes. Like it was very for much sure. like that, like, which was around the same time. So, it was so like yeah, aesthetic. somebody was biting up somebody. And um, <laughs> so they're like, like nobody's ever used a dub before. Um, right. So there, so this big showdown happens. It's the stupidest showdown ever. There's like a point where everybody also earlier in the movie when she's ser- so long, when Nicolas Cage first like comes to her and he's like, I'm your husband and he sort of tells her check the blood type I'm O he's AB you'll find out and then she's sort of like that incites her to do it then like John Travolta shows up at the hospital when he wakes up because she slipped out of the bed because she's all of a sudden having these suspicions to go do the blood testing John Travolta shows up at the hospital to like confront her and he almost catches Nick Cage but he doesn't but when he comes in he brings two of like Nicolas Cage's henchmen with him and it's like (laughs) at this point He's just so we're not even pretending anymore? You're literally yeah. just, like, a FBI agent walking around with two, like, convicted felons, like, as your guards. It's just, like, we're just doing what we want. So, like... We are just... Yeah. <laughs> I think at the point where he decides to kill his boss, the jig is up. He's not trying to pretend to be anybody else but no. Castro Troy. He's done. And so he brings, like, he brings them with him. And so then they show up at, the, like, the, the church, and then it's the big showdown that happens. And then, like, there's this moment where they're... Bo- also, I'm sorry. Also, earlier in the movie, we get a quick cam cam cameo from a Danny Masterson. Um, <gasps> oh. Where Danny Masterson is the boyfriend of John Travolta's daughter. But now we've got bad boy John Travolta being played by Nick Cage as John Travolta, which is John Travolta anyway. So he's in the house. He hears some hullabaloo. He goes outside. Danny Masterson is uh, trying to sexually assault the daughter. Which um, is just a, what, as what Tara said while we were watching, oh, what a preview of coming attractions. Art imitating life, baby. Yeah. Um, he's trying to, allegedly, he's trying to sexually assault the daughter. <laughs> Gotta cover us in legality. He's trying to, uh, <laughs> led, um, we don't want to get to get Learned Sarkeesian involved just yet. Um, we, he's trying to sexually assault the daughter. He, like, he knocks the window and he pulls him out and, like, beats the crap out of him. And it is just, like, this crazy scene. And then he gives his daughter this knife. And he's like, if any man ever does that to you, you stab her in the thigh with... You stab him in the thigh with the knife and you twist it so it won't so it won't heal. And so then she ends up doing that on the John Travolta character in this movie. Um, yeah. and but not before he licks the he side licks her of face. her face. 
And it is a sight to see. And I could have gone to my grave not seeing also, that. Also, this the daughter is played by Dominique Swain. Yeah. And Dominique Swain won an MTV award for the movie Lolita, where she played Lolita, based on Nabokov's um, novel, Lolita. And her and Jeremy Irons, who played... Um, who played the the protagonist in that? I can't call him really a protagonist, but he was the lead. Um, the lead. But he, but they were nominated for best kiss at the MTV Awards. <gasps> the and way that like... we dealt, the way that we dealt with like, <laughs> like anything in the nineties was so fucking wild. Like that is that book. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, you guys have heard of the book. It's all about a pedophile. It is. And, and played Humbert, yeah, Humbert. And this is, you know, and then John Travolta licking his own daughter. Like this is all I, we didn't need it. It's we also I I I'm sure we both feel this way, but I just really can't fucking stand unnecessary sexual assault scenes in movies, and this really felt like one. Plus, it's with a well-known accused sexual assaulter, Danny Masterson, and um, who is, like, currently on trial. And, you know, it was just, like, painful to watch. It's always painful to watch these things, even if it is a flash in the pan. It didn't need to happen. We could have moved the story forward in a different way. I just wish people were more fucking creative than, like, being like, let's show pure evil by assaulting women and just, like, triggering people who have to fucking watch this over and over again. Also, there's this moment when she comes in the house where it seemed like he was trying to make something happen, and then she's asked, and she says... Oh, yeah, I was raped, but you're going to blame me. And I was like, oh, like, we didn't, like, we didn't deal with it at all. He just gives nope. her the knife. He gives her the butterfly knife. And he's like, he's here, like, next time. here, defend yourself. Not, I, I mean, it's caster choice. So it's not, like it's not John. Yeah, it's caster choice yeah, character. So it probably does not have the capacity to. Be but being played that, but... with, with such a, with such a hand that, with such a skilled <laughs> hand that you would get lost and confused and you would think you were looking at John Travolta. Yes, with, of course. You would think you're looking at Nicolas Cage with John Travolta's face on. Right. Because that's how good these two are, what they do. <laughs> um, so that's one of those, like, wild and crazy moments in this movie. Also, when they were talking about the potential, there was potentially going to be a scene with the mom of Caster Troy where he goes to her house. And they were, like, either Elizabeth Taylor or Jack Nicholson in drag. And I was like... What? What? And also... I cannot imagine you having enough. You like you would have had to pony the fuck up to get Jack Nicholson. Oh my god, you would have to get in so much drag, money. particularly Jack in '97. Ni- in '97, yeah. baby, this wasn't as good as it gets. He won the Oscar that year. Like <laughs> you would have had to pay him. He would have been getting back end deals and, and everything. He would have been more than Cage. Money. And Travolta. So anyway, I thought that was funny. Um, But yeah, we're at the scene. It's the big final face-off. And they are are everywhere. We're planes, trains, and automobiles, baby. We're (laughs) we're boats. And planes, trains, automobiles, and boats. They're all over the place. It is, it's, it's, you know, at this point we've seen so, I love an action movie and I love an action scene, but I did not feel like revved up by these in these, in this movie. I don't know why. I, I think it's just because of the ridiculousness of all of it, but I, and also at this point I was like, why hasn't this movie ended? This is no, too baby. fucking long. And the lo- the last face-off is the longest face-off. It's a long <laughs> face-off. It's, yeah, it really is. It's face long. Yeah. Face long face-off. 
One, the thing that I noticed is that Eve, Joan Allen, John Travolta's wife, like, during that face-off, she, like, gets on her cell phone and makes a call to, like, some doctor. Oh! Wanda is the only... Yeah, she says, hey, Wanda. Get. It's the middle of this massive, like, shootout scene that's happened. And she pulls exactly. out her cell phone and she's like, hey, I need to talk to Wanda. <laughs> Who's Wanda? Like, if you knew this needed to happen, could you have not found, like, a moment before this funeral? Like, while you were She's, like, calling to, to get her, call. like, cholesterol checked to get that set up. <laughs> well, she's... What she's doing is she's calling to get Wanda on the case so that she can have the... Because when the face-off all ends, basically what happens is like she like whispers into his ear as he's being loaded onto um on into the ambulance like i've got the best doctor who's going to be able to fix this so it's like Ooh. just a snap of her fingers i never in a million years <laughs> thought that's what was happening what a line of thinking to be like in the middle of this like gun shootout which is anything but over because the last <laughs> is that thing not she what's saw happening? No, you're probably 100% right. But I'm just thinking about how crazy it is. Like, there's this full-on shootout that's happening. And then they end up on these boats where they're like, like, you don't even know if your husband's going to come back with a head. And she's already preemptively like, my husband's going to win. And we're going to get these faces switched out. It's like, that's just like... Yeah. She's calling Wanda to be like, hey, sis, like, I have I got a case Hop for you? Hop on that plane. And then, like... That is what happens. And they do the thing. The funniest part is the last scene of this movie, because what we get, what we get is the after they've the whole face off and whatever. And he the procedure is done to, like, turn him back into John Travolta. Joan Allen is just sitting at the kitchen table and she sees like John Travolta walking on the wraparound porch, like clearly coming to enter the house through the window, yeah. Again, and I just thought, okay, so we're doing like a reveal here, which is fine, but like, wouldn't you have been like active in your husband's recovery? Yes. No, wouldn't he wouldn't be coming. Like, did he drive him here? Home from the hospital? <laughs> he like, just should also. Like, Sorry, sweetie, I'm so busy. Can you take a cab home after your like life altering? I'm clipping coupons. <laughs> you know what Wednesday is for me. It's like, also, he shows up with a whole, the whole S kid. And it's like, so you got out of the hospital. You, like, they, they gave you the okay to leave from this, this swift recovery. And then, like, you stopped by the orphanage and picked up the child. And, like, so you, the you child busy is, is Gina Gershon's character. Her son, Adam. Child. His name is Adam, yeah. His name is Adam. And what they have is a replacement child for their son that Castor Troy killed. So they don't but have to do it. It is like, you know. where, at what point did you pick up the kid? You're so right. Yeah. And, and also, he shows up with the child, and he looks at his wife in his arm and he says, like, what is the line he says? He says, he says, I hope you two... It's a crazy line. This is... He says, he says, I've got something I have to ask both of you, to his daughter and his wife. And he says, this is, um, Adam. And he needs a place to live. And it's then... Like, this should be, like, thoroughly this is a, with This is wife. multiple conversations with your wife. <laughs> right, this like let's I, I'm gonna have you answer in front of this like orphaned child. what do you say in front of what do you say in front of an orphaned child when you you're be wa- like when I you're don't really have the capacity I'm still grieving Michael my dead son <laughs> like, it's on a much lower scale it's giving me like when I was a kid and we would leave church and I'd want one of my friends from church or like even if I was leaving school on like a Friday to come home with me and I'd bring them up to my mother to ask 
And my mom would look at me and like be like, you little son of a bitch. Because that was her, her least favorite thing was being put on the spot with like this child. And I'd be like, his mom already left. She thinks he's got my laugh. Look at Pizza Hut. And she's like, you little piece of shit. I'm like, let's get off for TJF. She's like, I hate you. Um, but like, it's give me that, but like, but a lifetime of it because he's oh literally looking at his wife and he's like, Hey, do you want to re-traumatize him by saying no? Or maybe we can just make this work. I know you're a busy doctor, <laughs> exactly. but like, you want to, like, you've also had like a lot of life altering tragedies, like within the last so year. much. And like, can you then, can I put another child on, on our plate? <laughs> and, um, she knows what it means to be a good woman. And she looks at him and she says, whatever you need is what I want. And she says, welcome home, kiddo. Welcome home, Mikey too. I mean, Adam. (laughs) Uh, And then they're like, oh, let's take you up to your room. That's a mausoleum to like this child that died. Dead child. And by the way, you better live up to this dead child's memory. And by the way, he looks. Any trouble. (laughs) He looks just like you minus that mullet. Exactly. Um. It's crazy, and it's all over, and Joan Allen looks at him, and she's like, you are such a man. Thank you for making this sexy decision without me. Mm-hmm. And I they have a big embrace. I love not being consulted about huge, huge family choices. About, huge, about the hugest, arguably the hugest thing in the world, like the life of a child <laughs> and us now being parents again. Um, thank you for that. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, that is Face Off. Face Off. <laughs> oh, my God. We could have talked forever about this movie. There's so... Honestly, Many juicy nuggets. So surprised we edited ourselves up to this point. Like we made better time than I thought we were. Yeah, we did. Um, So hopefully this isn't too hard of a job for Dave and Tara to go down to like a reasonable listening time because I literally still have so much to say. I know, I know. There's so much. And I recently, I'll say a lot of people have been reaching out, being like, "Oh, you didn't mention this fact about this movie during this." Really? All the time. Time people are like, oh well, didn't did you know this or blah blah? And it's like, like, yes, I did know that, and I wanted to mention it, but literally, Brandon and I can't stop talking for like three hours straight. We have to stop at some point. We have to. We could talk forever. We do, and sometimes we do. That's true. But it was a fun. It was a super fun movie. Well, Jane, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, um, I wanted to say uh, this uh, movie face off was released on June 19th, 1997, made on a budget of $80 million, and it made $245 million at the box office. So, uh, let's just say it was a hit. (laughs) I mean, talk about star power. (laughs) Absolutely. And this came out the same year, by the way, as Con Air, which is like, wild. I I wish you hadn't seen Con Air, because I feel like that would be an incredible movie to do. Babe, I honestly don't remember it, so if you you ever want to throw that my way, I'm here. Well, while we're, we're bending rules, it's our fucking as we've Well, as we've figured out, I think that movies count that you don't remember as well. Con Air, also, yeah, Con Air was a huge hit too, so Nicolas Cage had two massive movies this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm down with watching Con Air, I really don't remember it. Right, I just remember well, his hair. I'll add it to the list. Um, but no, that was fun. Um, I have a question for you, Jane, would you watch it again? Um, it would ha- I would need a break before watching it again it was a long one i would watch it with you and like laugh about it i need a break i don't want to watch it immediately again okay all right (laughs) but it was fun it was fun um and then there was a little birdie told me that you have a movie that you want me to watch (laughs) oh 
do I ever? I've been I've been excited for this one. Um, it was a it was one of those movies that had a huge lead up in the media and in the press, and so it blows my mind that you didn't see it. So I'm excited to cover it. But we are going to be watching the. Actually, I don't know what year it came out because I haven't looked it up yet. But it came out sometime, I think, in the 2000s. It is called Coyote Ugly. Oh, yeah. I've never seen this movie. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Only thing I know about this movie is that that line. Why do they call it Coyote Ugly? Because Cheers was taken. That's <laughs> I didn't even remember that one. That's a great line. Movie. And uh, I think Piper Parabo is in it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know Can't Fight the Moonlight, the Leanne Rhymes yes. song, which has had way more of a cultural impact than I think the film did. <laughs> And I know that... Well, there are a ton of bars called Coyote. Are there really? And and I know that uh, also, obviously, America's top model, Tyra Banks, I know, is in the movie stretching her acting chops as well. Oh my God, I forgot. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to to see this one. It's going to be a fun one. I haven't seen it probably since it came out so it'll be fun to see how it's held up which i'm sure it 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 is is unwell (laughs) unwell (laughs) um oh i'm excited to watch that yeah yeah me too it'll be fun fun. um thank you everybody for taking this face-off journey with us we hope it was a fun one we loved talking about it with you well at you i guess is probably the more appropriate term but with each other Um, if you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed and on Twitter at MWM Chat. Um, we love you. We care about you. We would fucking die for you. I'm so, gonna, so I'm not going to, that last part is all Nope, me. that's both me and Brandon. Nope, and, so, call her, and, call, and make her do it too. Make her prove wow. herself. She talks, a, she wow. talks a big game, but, you know, show up and be like, what was that energy you had on the pod? About what you would do for me, remember? I will take it by a case-by-case situation. Anyways, Here we go. It's already going to augment it. We will see you next week with Coyote Ugly. Bye! Give it the moonlight, yeah. Give it air. It's going to get to your heart. I know I love the stream. Wanna be with you till the sun comes down. Save it for next week. Okay, it's gonna happen <laughs> then too. You know it is. I know. I know. Oh. Abstract. (laughs) Wink. All right.